Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. And I'm Rachel Popchek, and we're here to share with you the mental skills you need to help improve your performance and get your head back in the game. We will offer practical applications and diverse perspectives to help you apply these mental skills to your life. Welcome to Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. I'm Rob Bombacco. And I'm Rachel Popchek. We're excited today to be joined by James Schwabach. Uh, James has been in the mental performance field for over a decade. He's currently corporate behavior change specialist at Mind Gym. From 2016 to 2021, James was the mental skills coordinator for the Tampa Bay Rays. And in 2012 to 2016, James was the lead peak performance trainer at Apex Performance. James, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So my first question, um, your, your current position, can you tell us a little bit more about what Mind Gym is and uh, your, your current role there and what you're doing? Yeah, so Mind Gym is an awesome company uh, doing awesome work. And I think the, uh, the short story is that I got sick and tired of people not uh, understanding what I do when I told them that I was a mental performance coach or like a strength and conditioning coach, but for your mind. So I found a company right. that is Mind Gym that seems to clear up uh, that confusion. Like, oh, okay, right. so like you work at a gym, but it's for the mind. For the mind, right? Uh, yep. But no, Mind Gym is about helping uh, mostly large corporations. We work um, mostly with the Fortune 500 uh, kind of companies and that level of complexity and um, size. But we are helping with performance. We are helping with behavior in terms of how people uh, think, feel, and act in the corporate space. So I'm okay. taking what I've learned in my decade or so of experience in the performance psychology world and applying it to uh, the corporate world um, in terms of what I do with curriculum development and content design so that I give these large corporations the ability to implement programming to help their employees uh, more helpfully or functionally uh, think, feel, okay. and act. Okay. Awesome. So can you talk like a little bit about that connection? Because, you, you know, like you said, I'm assuming start did a lot with, with sports, obviously, and kind of the mental mm -hmm. skill development and how that has translated into the, the corporate world, some of those similarities that you've seen. Yeah, I think the overlap uh, is enormous. I think from a principle and theory standpoint, what can apply from the sport world in terms of how our thinking uh, is important in terms of leading to functional and helpful behavior. It doesn't matter whether you are playing an instrument, uh, trying to score a winning penalty kick, or trying to increase sales at your company. The principles are the same when it comes to having clear values and goals, 
to being able to focus on the right thing at the right time to being able to work on a team and manage people if you're in that position. So the principles are really similar, which I think is what drew me to this space. And uh, kind of as a quick aside and background, last year during the pandemic, obviously I had a little bit more uh, free time and downtime, I hate to call it that, but uh, time at home on my hands. And I just really started looking into the learning and development space and that field. and it really opened my eyes to a lot of theories and terms I hadn't heard before coming from performance psychology. And I've kind of fallen in love with how they combine and how they play off each other in terms of what's in the, the corporate learning and development space, what's in the performance mm-hmm. psychology and development space. Um, so it's been cool to kind of combine those in what I'm doing now. Sure. Have, have you noticed, um, like in the corporate world, the, the, I mean, are, are people for the most part, um, pretty open to, to, you know, a lot of this stuff and kind of the mental performance, mental training, uh, you know, the different concepts. I would say probably even more so, uh, one you're dealing with much older in terms of a relative sense, much older people. These aren't, uh, 16 year olds with, potentially no formal education and no metacognitive skills. These are high up, high level managers, sometimes even C-suite level uh, CEOs that um, have been in the game, their game uh, a long time. So they understand how important the mental processes are because they cannot rely on their bodies to just be athletic. Everything that a corporate employee does is knowledge economy and knowledge based. So having a strong mind going to the mind gym, uh, going back to the pun is that much more important. So I think people kind of buy into that, uh, at face value even more. Mm -hmm. And the stuff we're doing, um, currently is just, it's a lot more, uh, exciting than a lot of, um, typical trainings, and the run of the mill learning and development kind of compliance stuff. So I think it's, it's a cool field and application of, again, kind of the similar concepts that someone might learn in a performance psychology background or grad program. Sure. Can, can you give me an example of that? Like you said, some kind of interesting things or, or fun things that, um, you know, you're, you're doing at Mind Gym. Yeah. I mean, I won't get into the specifics of uh, companies that I'm consulting with right now, Mm -hmm. but for instance, we're, we're dealing with a a large um, grocery store chain that wants to um, nudge all of their employees uh, in the right direction when it comes to inclusion efforts. Obviously diversity and inclusion is a hot topic and important to a lot of corporations right now. So their thing is like, okay, if we can't give people, you know, a semester long training, or if we can't uh, have them come off their shift for a half day of training, like how can we nudge them in the right direction? What's the, the quick lesson that we can provide them in the break room or at a morning meeting or stuff like that? So it's, it's all about creating content that's exciting to people that makes sense in their context and moves them in that right direction that nudges them toward 
towards a more uh, productive workplace or inclusive workplace. And maybe you're not doing that in a sports context per se, but from a behavior change standpoint, again, the, the principles and theories are all the same. You're trying to give someone a little nugget of information in a minute, five minutes, maybe 15 minutes and give them something to work on that day. So maybe that's, you know, focus during batting practice for a baseball player, but maybe mm-hmm. that's noticing your inclusive behaviors and how you can bring your coworkers into a conversation um, at the corporate level. So at the end of the day, it's behavior change, but it's in short, uh, meaningful bites that people relate to and can utilize and put into action right away. I love that, you know, you're talking about kind of that translation between, you know, sports and the corporate world and absolutely something that, you know, I've, I've been really kind of fascinated by as well. And, and you're talking about how there's that overlap and the similarities between kind of the principles used, because I'm also kind of curious, have you seen sort of an overlap in terms of the needs or maybe struggles that, um, you know, that, that those that you're working with within the corporate world um, are experiencing in relation to kind of the, those that, that you worked with in, in sports and athletics? Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, especially when you talk to people that are potentially, you can say, stalled in their career mm. or are just looking for something to kind of put them over the top that is going to be a similar mindset to someone that is, for instance, in minor league baseball that wants to become a big leaguer or some sure one that is a, uh, let's say first year manager. So, you know, they've moved up in the company a little bit, but they don't know where to go from there or, Oh shoot. Like I've never run a team of people before. It's always just been me. So, uh, what does that look like for them? How do you, focus your efforts? What does it mean to build meaningful relationships so that the people that you're teaching actually understand what you're teaching and implement it? So um, maybe I'm jumping to more of like a, you know, former player in the sports world, moving to a managing or coaching role, but the, sure. the concepts are, are surprisingly the same when it comes to what gets people stuck. That starts with usually helping people clarify what's actually important to them and, and understanding their values uh, to just fear showing up and that getting in the way fear of whatever uh, you know, but as a broad term, people get, get fearful and anxious about what's next about how they're going to perform in whatever it is they're doing. Um, and then it's helping people understand how to define committed action. Like how do I actually commit to changing some behavior once I understand that a certain aspect of my life is important to me. So, you know, those principles, I think, are just human more than anything else. So that's why I I love the overlap, because I get to um, help a lot more people. Uh, it's It's way more kind of in the background and more curriculum development versus, let's say, a facilitation and being in front of people sure. all the time, uh, as I was kind of with, with the raise, but, um, from a principal standpoint and how I'm kind of working on content, it's, it's very similar and, and very fun to be working kind of in this new setting, consulting with these companies. 
Sure. No, I mean, it makes so much sense. And I think that it, it really honestly is so important for us to kind of broaden our understanding of performance. Um, because I think that in a lot of ways, it really helps us kind of understand and then, you know, work through and address the, the maybe challenges that we face when we understand that what we are doing, you know, on these different levels really is kind of a, you know, just, just different sort of presentations of performance. Um, and then, like you said, we can really kind of utilize those those principles um, in, in a lot more creative ways, I think. Um, but going back to kind of what you were talking about, sort of with, with the sports aspect, um, you know, as mental skills coordinator with, with the Tampa Bay Rays, what were maybe a couple of the, the common things that you saw athletes really struggle with? Yeah, so uh, I did a lot of my work at the lower levels of our minor leagues. So uh, this is good timing for this interview. So we just had the uh, draft start um, last night for major league baseball. So you have a bunch of these new players coming in to, uh, to a new environment and almost all, or pretty much all of these players, even at the lower, uh, at the, uh, lower rounds of, or later rounds of the draft, um, were the best at baseball in whatever level they were playing at, whether that's high school or college, like these were the best of the best already. And then you throw them into an environment that is potentially first time away from home or out of that uh, controlled setting of college. And it's the first time that they've failed because they're facing the best competition in the world at that level now. So dealing with confidence issues uh, that come up um, was always a recurring theme for me working with the younger players. You also have, you know, 17, 18 year old um, Latin American players that are coming to the U S for the first time uh, speaking English for the first time, needing to understand coaching cues and what they're hearing in all of this new environment uh, in a different language. Just what does that do psychologically? And then you, you throw in the new failure uh, that often accompanies, you know, playing at a higher level, you throw that in there and people just, uh, they struggle. Um, and so it's really teaching that growth mindset that baseball is hard. And as you work harder and get used to it, hopefully you will see your skill also improve. But if you come in, like, this is going to be easy because I've always been the best baseball player, uh, around then that's where you see that frustration set in. Right. Well, so, I think too that, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to ask kind of, I was going to ask you kind of like, you know, like you said, it's a very good maybe timing for this conversation, right? Because, because of kind of where, where we're at right now. And I think that, you know, I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit about some of the examples of, kind of the mental skills and exercises that you use to address some of these challenges because they are very, um, you know, pertinent challenges and, and something that I think in a lot of ways, you know, all of us kind of struggle with at different times of our lives, especially kind of in relation to the confidence building or, or to trying to adapt to those new circumstances. Yeah, I think this is, um, this is something that I, 
struggled with or needed to grow into early in my career because I came in with here's the prescription. Here's what I learned in my textbooks in my performance psychology graduate program. And this is what we're going to do. Like, here's how to teach goal setting. Here is visualization, like to a T. Here are the five steps to visualization. And what I realized is you might have in a room of 150 minor league baseball players, you might have three guys that are ready to hear that information and understand it and implement it. Like maybe three guys. It's probably just one if you're lucky, that's like, that sounded cool. Where do I find more information on it? Um, and some days it was zero, (laughs) but, uh, I think once I started getting out of this need to come in with the exact plan and prescription, it allowed me to get curious with all the athletes that I was working with and just start asking more questions. And as you gain expertise, and you're listening to their answers to good questions, then you start to tease out what they might need in that moment. But, you know, the simplest example of just asking guys like, what's important to you? Or, hey, you get the call up to the major leagues tomorrow. Who are you calling first? Like understanding who motivates someone. Like if they're saying, oh, I'm calling my dad first. Like he was my coach all the way growing up. And like you start getting into, okay, now I understand the background of this young man. And this can be applied to um, anyone, of course, but obviously in the minor league baseball, I'm dealing with, you know, young men. Um, So you start to get into the psychology of what, what they choose to share with you. And you start asking more questions. And then like, as they might struggle or as you notice, challenges come up for them you know how to probe better but if i come in with hey rob like here's the visualization script that you need to start practicing Mm -hmm. like without building that relationship first i think that's where a lot of young professionals and i'm throwing myself under the bus here too that's where a lot of young professionals go uh too quickly Mm -hmm. and try and jump to, well, here's the fix because the research says that like this works, but if there's no, if there's no foundation of like, yeah, but like, why should I listen to you? And why is this going to help me right now? Then your perfect plan, if you want to call it that never gets implemented. So like, was it perfect? Uh, That's the biggest thing that I say to, I completely forget the original question. I got on my soapbox a little bit, but uh, <laughs> the, the methodology. You still answered like it. What I <laughs> yeah. yeah. The methodology is, is build relationships and ask good questions. If there, if there is a methodology and then once you get good enough, um, you'll kind of know or feel what the, what a right answer could be, mm-hmm. uh, to help that athlete or that person, uh, regardless of what they're doing in that moment. Yeah, I think, and and to your point, which I think so important is whether we're, you know, corporate world and the, the sports world, you know, I, I think a lot of what you're saying comes down to everybody's different, right? There, There's no, you know, specific formula. There's no one size fits all. And, and really, you know, strengthening 
the relationship you have with with the person and and um you know just really developing that communication and, and being open with one another um can can really you know help kind of if we're talking about confidence just just you know open the door to uh, you know, some, some information and things that, that we can use to help the athlete, um, you know, build some of those, those tools. And I think, you know, you're spot on with the example you gave of 150 or so baseball players. And, you know, if you're lucky, one of them kind of, you know, receives that information and wants to do something with it. And, and the rest, you know, it, it really is a, a slow process and and a gradual um you know build up to build that that mental performance or, or mental game exactly yeah that's uh, a good review of my probably very long-winded answer thank you rob uh, no 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 it was great and and i think you know i talking just um like you said you're you know you're still growing you've been in the field for you know over a decade and i think uh you know, it is something that constantly we're, we're trying to to learn and improve and find the best ways to connect with whoever we're we're working with. So, um, yeah, I think that you know what you said is just just so important. Um, and relationship building is is probably something that's not discussed enough. So, uh, so crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so. Be curious to again with your being in the field for for some time now, and and I think it's awesome having kind of both experience in in the corporate world and and in sports. Uh, and I don't know if this is a separate answer for each of those things, but you know, what are some of the things you have seen change, either you know, for the good or, or not so good over, over the years in the mental performance field? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, well, I, I would definitely say if you just look at, you know, the presentations at our industry conference at the Association of Applied Sports Psychology conferences, the shift towards, uh, not to get too technical, but like the third wave um, psychological theories. So I'm talking mm -hmm. acceptance and commitment theory and training, um, yep. and, uh, versus, I shouldn't say versus cause they're not in conflict necessarily, but sports psychology started out and remains So as certainly when I was in grad school as much more cognitive behavioral training and, and therapy based. So sure. CBT, it was, if you have a negative thought, let's challenge it. Let's use evidence. Let's um, get you to change those thoughts. Um, there's plenty of evidence for that. There's plenty of, of good studies that have shown that to be helpful. But again, in terms of change, um, I feel like I was on the, the cutting edge of getting into the acceptance and commitment stuff that for me completely changed my outlook and ability to connect with athletes. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying mm -hmm. everyone should do that. But when I went from a no, 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 like your thinking is wrong. Let's work on changing your thoughts to a, like, I'm not trying to change your thinking at all. Let's just figure out how to make you the best performer you can be. Sure. Uh, 
that completely changed how I dealt with all the challenges that athletes were bringing up to me. Like, because my mindset was no longer challenging the athlete's thoughts. My mindset was like, huh, that's, that's a really interesting thought. Like, let's work with that. Does that help Mm -hmm. you perform better? And if they're like, no, like that negative thought doesn't help me perform better at all. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, well, what would be better? And you might utilize the same technique or like get to the same exact spot as a CBT protocol for lack of a better term, but you're letting the athlete, you're letting the client get there on their own. Mm -hmm. So it's much more self-discovery. It's much more um, just letting the client lead the way for me. um, So really acceptance and commitment um, training has really become the foundation of my work because I I think, uh, and I should say my work in terms of um, really what I do in, in the sports world, mind gym has their own ways of of doing things, which I'm perfectly in line with. Um, but mm-hmm. in terms of my like one-on-one consulting work and like in the sports world, it's, it's act as the foundation. So I, I think that's been for me a good change because I happen mm-hmm. to use it a lot, but um, that's been a major shift. I think probably in the last five years, really, um, if you look at like presentations and what people are, are using uh, in the field, but that'll continue sure, to shift sure. and I'm sure it'll change uh, again into something else. But um, I've, I've really enjoyed that shift. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. And, and it's funny you say that because I just had a, a situation and I think it exactly what you're talking about I was working with somebody and yeah, you know, we were talking about self-talk and negative self-talk and all that, but, and, and, and the person had, you know, asked me they said well what what about and they gave me a thought that if you looked at the thought it was fairly a negative self-talk kind of statement but their question was this is something that I've used like over the years and their question was even though it's not what if it actually is helping me and motivates me and right and and you know you could look at that and say like well no it's it's a negative thought. It's not going to help, but the way they were talking about it and explaining it, I think to your point, like, yeah, you have to be open-minded and it's really about, you know, what works for the athlete, you know, and, and if that's something that helps them, even though again, on the outside looking in, it seems kind of to be a negative thought and, and maybe ultimately, you know, it is and does need to, to, um, be worked on but but open you know being open to that and accepting and and um, just having that discussion like you said you know that that's an interesting kind of viewpoint let's see what we can you know do with that and and um, you know ask those questions you know is a, a great point by you again kind of going back to the you know not everything can be scripted or should be scripted and there's not the the one size fits all for for everyone yeah the the easy example for that uh for listeners is this idea um of like let's say uh someone you're working with says i'm not good enough uh in the older school um thought challenging you would say no like every time you think i'm not good enough you're going to snap this rubber band and stop that thought and try and replace it with, I am good enough or something, you know, more inherently positive, but sure. what happens if the thought process, because you're not probing into it, 
what happens if the thought process is I'm not good enough right now. So mm-hmm. I know I need to work my butt off to continue to get better. Like they might not be voicing that thought. They might not even be conscious of it. But like, if we don't understand that reminding themselves that they're not good enough in that moment mm-hmm. is motivating, is helpful for visualizing like what good enough is. There's all right. these different things that um, require probing more, require understanding of what the thought actually is and ultimately understanding that it's the behavior and it's the action that really uh, requires change or not change, you know, depending sure. on where they're at. Uh, so that's why I, I like just the, the openness and less challenging nature. Maybe it's because I'm just non-confrontational myself, but <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, I like giving the floor and giving the power to the people right. I'm working with as much as possible. And that's what yeah. ACT has allowed me to do. Yep. Well, and I think it's such an important point too, especially going off of what you were talking about, about the importance of relationship. Right. And how kind of, you know, whatever it is that the person's dealing with, we need to kind of prioritize that relationship to specifically help them work through that in in the unique way that they need to work through that. Right. And, you know, that difference between kind of act and CBT, like, you know, again, CBT being more challenging. Right. That that kind of you know, again, there's a whole lot of good to it, right? But but you know, that still makes maybe you go into the encounter with that person with the assumption that I need to challenge you, right? Like and there there it becomes like a little bit more of a just natural confrontational relationship. Whereas mm-hmm. approaching more with the act kind of approach helps you go in saying, you know what, I'm I'm going to kind of accept it like and and I'm going to just say you know what if you are right right you know and and it helps you kind of work through and empower that other person more you know I think it helps kind of really prioritize that relationship more rather than going into it with any preconceived notions about you or even kind of encouraging the other person to kind of challenge themselves Um, so I think it's you know just kind of a, a interesting sort of follow-up to you know that idea of relationship and kind of that need for relationship that we all really have i couldn't agree more that was a great summary i can't even add anything to that (laughs) (laughs) well i think that it's great to kind of put you know just again just i guess reframing and, and kind of taking what you were sharing um just those similarities both between sports and, and kind of that corporate world and, and we're ultimately anything that any of us are doing, you know, if we can really prioritize sort of relationship um, and working with, right, whether that's with another person, whether that's with exactly. ourselves and kind of where we're at, um, you know, taking those two key sort of ideas from this, I think can really open up a lot of doors for a lot of people. Couldn't agree more. Awesome. So I um, wanted to just end well, with one last thing here. And, and maybe this kind of goes against everything <laughs> we were just talking about. But if you have, if you have like, is there an exercise or something? Not, not necessarily 
you know, for confidence building. I know that's what we were talking about before, but uh, just in general that you've learned over the years that, um, you know, you could discuss real briefly for any athletes that are listening that could maybe try out whether again if it is confidence or visualization stuff or you know anything that that is maybe one of your little go-to exercises um with when working with athletes or even in the corporate world yeah i mean the the quickest one kind of comes from the world of act and um it will probably sound a tiny bit complicated uh, without the visual but hopefully not but really it's just it centers around four main questions to always ask yourself and that's who or what is important so that's one question like what's important to me and that can be what's important to me right now uh that acronym you know win that we hear all the time Mm -hmm. uh what's important now um that could be who is important now who's important in my life who do i want to um help right now is it a teammate? Is it a coach? Is it a, a direct report if I'm a manager in a corporate setting? Um, then it's thinking, okay, well, what, what thoughts are showing up or what feelings or emotions, whatever, are getting in the way of that? So we have what's important, what's getting in the way. And then once we understand, okay, well, my, I, I got angry at my coach. I'm thinking out loud here, but, um, you know, so anger is showing up in my head. And then you mm-hmm. ask yourself, okay, well, what did your anger lead to you doing? Like, what, what did you do in terms of what you could notice yourself doing physically? Like, what, what okay. did you say? How did you act? Those types of things. So, like, what was associated with the anger? And you put that kind of in a different column or quadrant, whatever. And then you finally mm-hmm. ask yourself, okay, well, what would, what action, what behavior would move me towards what or who is important to me just thinking like what's something i could do today let's say to move me towards what's important so if you can answer those four questions really in that order um although it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter but you're just sorting your thoughts what's important what's getting in the way mentally what's getting in the way physically uh and then what can i do to move towards what's important that is the quickest way to get you back on track because humans are naturally going to want to do something that helps move them in the direction they want to go. Right. Right. Uh, Oftentimes they'll choose the other way, but if we sort our thoughts and take that moment to think, huh, all right. So is this moving me away from what's important to me right now? Mm -hmm. Or is this moving me towards, if you can answer that question, you will always go back on the right track because at least you're giving yourself an understanding of how to get back on the right track. You're pausing to, think about what the difference is between moving away and moving towards. So that's a little, um, you know, exercise from the world of act that I utilize all the time. And um, I find really helpful because as you're thinking through that, you have to be in that moment. Like you can't jump, jump ahead. If you're thinking about, okay, what's getting in the way right now or what behavior can I do today? You're, you're automatically, in the here and now as you're doing that little exercise. So it's almost like a mindfulness exercise as well uh, Mm -hmm. because you're, you're paying attention on purpose without judgment. You're not saying I'm doing anything wrong. You're just saying, okay, well, what's getting in the way. That's not wrong. That's just something that isn't helpful. And understanding that difference, I think uh, in and of itself is another part of the exercise, but um, how did I, how did I do on clarity uh, auditorily versus visually there? 
no, I think I, I think it was great. I mean, it's, uh, those are, are questions. I mean, you know, you probably should put somewhere as, you know, if we're talking to athletes as an athlete, just, um, put somewhere that you answer on a daily basis. Right. I mean, that that's helping you, you know, if you can answer those and like you said, it's keeping you focused and keeping you on the right track that that's well, gosh, let's even simplify it even more. If you just ask yourself the one question, am I moving towards what's important or away right now? Like in this moment, that will, that is the ultimate like check-in with yourself. Absolutely. No judgment. Just like, am I moving towards what's important to me right now? Because you need to define what's important within that question. You need to understand what's not helping and what is helping. Um, and, and it's that locking into that moment, like right now, am I moving towards or away? Even just that one question alone to simplify the exercise Mm -hmm. will help any one athlete, coach, teacher, uh, manager, whatever, right in that moment. Yep. Yeah. And I love how it has, like you said, that kind of little mindfulness component to it, as well as I think it's a great, just self-awareness building exercise which again is so important in this field for for anybody right to to kind of understand themselves and know what does and doesn't make them tick right that's kind of an important to those mental skills and and mental uh, game so this was uh this was awesome i love that exercise i love you know um everything you kind of brought here today and Wanu, uh, thanks. Thank you again for, for joining us. It was, it was great having Jan. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. And, uh, happy to answer any questions anytime. Is, is there any, um, as far as like mind jam or if people kind of want to learn a little more about that best place to, to go for that? Um, the mindgym.com, uh, or find us on LinkedIn is probably, uh, the easiest way. And then, um, if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can search for me on Twitter at Jay Schwabach and, uh, Instagram, uh, James underscore Schwabach, not too creative with my handles there, (laughs) um, or search for the knowledge transfer podcast, which is my own podcast where I delve into kind of some of the principles we've been talking about today. And, uh, try and transfer some theories from different bodies of work to the performance psychology space. So that's another place to find me at. Awesome. Well, James, thanks much again for joining us today. Yeah, appreciate it. You all have an awesome day and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be an invited guest back on soon. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We'll see ya. Bye. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Back in the Game, a sports and mindset podcast. Please make sure to join us next time as we continue to discuss the mental skills you need to get your mind back in the game and perform at your best.